took its toll And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump I listened close and I heard the ghost of Osceola cry So blow, blow, seven oh wind Blow like you're never gonna blow again I'm calling to you like a long lost friend But I know who you are And blow, blow from the Okeechobee All the way up to Micanopee Blow across the home of the Seminoles and the gods The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect those of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State football was defeated this past weekend against Wake Forest 22-20. We will have a plethora of thoughts on the game coming up. We preview Syracuse coming to Doak Campbell Stadium this weekend. And of course... We'll share the thoughts of the World Series starting between the Astros and Nationals, along with the NBA tipping off on Tuesday. You can always call into the show at 850-644-1837. Tomahawk Talk starts right now. And Gary, the Miami Dolphins season seems to not have uh, started at all. Uh, another loss, but they showed some fight. They did. Ryan Fitzpatrick, this was his revenge game, one of many for all the teams that he has played it for and now will soon play against. He almost did it, threw a pick late in the game, or I guess it was early in the second quarter on the goal line. Against the Bills. Against, against the, Bills, the Bills, yes, against Buffalo in Buffalo. Color rush game. I was excited, and they let me down again. I'll say this, Gary. Is it? Do you feel a little bit better about yourself knowing that they've covered the spread back-to-back weeks? Yeah, they've shown, they've shown fight in the past couple of games. Even in Dallas, they showed a little bit of fight for the first half. So they're... They're doing enough to make it look like they're not trying to tank, but really they are trying to tank. And Tua, Tua I'm concerned now about Tua. <laughs> with his ankle injury that he sustained now with Alabama, uh, we'll see what happens with him. He's out at least one week, I would assume probably a couple. Well, we'll two because they have a yeah. bye week. Okay, well, well, that looks a little bit good for him. And now over to my right, of course, Brett Rutherford. The Rays did not make the World Series. Unfortunately, no. But... The Yankees also did not make the World Series. That's right. That's what we like to hear. So the Astros will be playing the Nationals after the Astros clinched in Game 6 off of a Jose Altuve two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. A bunch of two-blown saves there at the end of the game. What did you think of that series, and uh, how excited are you for this upcoming Nationals-Astros World Uh, Series? I was really excited to to see how that game panned out. Game 6 in Houston with Jose Altuve hitting a walk-off home run against 
the terrible, terrible human that is Araldis Chapman. We'll get into the World Series matchup later, but I'm really, really excited. Great pitching matchups are already lined up, and it's the most wonderful time of year. We've got baseball, football, basketball, hockey all throughout this week. It's going to be a fun time. I mean, the CFL, they're about getting ready for... Got CFL, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're getting ready for playoffs. the playoffs, That's gearing great. up. Week week 22 is coming close, man. Right, Calgary Stampeders, they've stumbled a little bit since the summer, but looking good. Alouettes are hot, man. Montreal, Montreal. Montreal. Uh, don't mention Stampedes and stumbling there, Brett, in one sentence. Uh, Ooh, I, I, I thought that was... There's a bit and, of a play on words there. It, it did seem like you were trying to do that. And finally, the last person in our panel... Sebastian, Sebastian, how was your weekend? Uh, it seemed like you had a little bit of busy moving in and out. Uh, busy. Uh, it wasn't moving in and out. It was just making sure that I knew where I was going to live next year. Um, but a little boring, uh, a little miserable with, with Seminole Sports, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, looking forward to next week, though, with the Mexico Grand Prix coming up at a time where I can actually I don't have to wake up early. It's great. I, it's, it's the most exciting time of the year for me because it's back-to-back races where I don't have to get up super early, and they're just at a comfortable time. Well, thank you, Sebastian. I appreciate it. Big panel we got here today. Of course, Luke Hazen over on social along with Gianna. Austin giving us a nice little intro there. That being said, Florida State football once again stumbled. And for those of you who did not watch the game, Ricky Aguayo missed a 50-yard field goal in the driving wind and rain uh, to, to give Florida State the lead. And for all the people watching it, you can blame Ricky all you want. Uh, but what it comes down to is the coaching. And, and should Ricky have had more time? He had to rush up there. Then they call a timeout, and people are saying that it was icing of the kicker. Uh, if you look at the whole game, James Blackman did not really play that great. And a lot of people are calling for Alex Hortybrook to go in and, and get some reps. I was on the train of you go with, with one guy, you try to see if, if he gets off to a good start, keep him. I did not have a problem with Blackman playing the whole game. Gary... What are your thoughts? Blackman seemed to have played well enough to play the whole game. It's the O-line that didn't do their job in protecting him. The one interception that Blackman threw was because he got hit as he was throwing the ball. So you can't really even say that one was his fault. It was 27 of 43, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Alex Hornibrook probably, I, I don't think, really, you plug both these players in and it seems like you're going to get the same type of game, just a different way. Mm-hmm. Just the, the, the way the ball spins is going to be different with the lefty. That's that's the only difference I see between these two quarterbacks. So people calling for Alex Hornibrook to start. Honestly, if, if Willie Taggart throws Alex Hornibrook to start against Syracuse, at this point, he's just... He's crumbling underneath the pressure of the fan yeah. base. Yeah, you can't let the fans coach. You've got to stick to your guns. And, and, and James Blackman wasn't great. I wouldn't even say he played good on, on Saturday. But we, we knew this about James Blackman. We knew he wasn't a game changer. We knew he can't carry the team on his own. It was a cold, windy night. He made some poor passes. He made some really good passes. Uh, overall, though, yeah, you've got to stick with him. Because Hornybrook's only with this program for a few more weeks. And then he's gone. Blackman... You risk losing him next year, even though that's that's probably already a risk right now. Him or his confidence—that's the bigger thing. If yeah. you if you lose the confidence in playing football, you look at uh, the recent Florida. Well, I shouldn't say recent anymore, but the Florida quarterbacks from 2010 to 2016 or 17, all their confidence was broken down, and and they go to different programs and build it back up. That's not something that you want to see happen with James Blackman, given. Who do you have behind him? But but to argue against myself, just real quickly, Willie Taggart might not have the, the benefit of being able to look ahead yes. to next year. He that, might he needs to win games now, and, and we're going to talk about that, I'm sure. But he might not have 
you know, if if, Horny, if he believes Hornybrook's a better quarterback, he might not have any other option but to play him and and sacrifice maybe the long term, uh, you know, future of this football team. Sebastian, looking at the end of the game, Florida State did get the ball back. I believe around 40 seconds or so, and back-to-back fumbles by James Blackman, a bad snap, game ends. It, it was just in disarray. Was was Taggart to blame for all the issues clock management-wise and coaching in the last three minutes of the game? I mean, he's been responsible for uh, a plethora of coaching issues, uh, starting with I, I. every time I'm on this show, I feel like I'm, I'm repeating the same thing um, every Monday after a Florida State football game, and it's uh, a lack of discipline. Every time. Um, that last drive is kind of the summation. If people were calling it um, the Florida State's uh, Seminoles um, under Tagger in 30 seconds. That's. I, I think that that is a good... It, it, it seems like they give you a little bit of hope. You go, all right, you know, Blackman's stepping up it's in the got, pocket. He's got, got a guy over it, the middle. It's got Ricky Aguayo yeah. um, blowing it. It's got um, clock mismanagement. It's got um, the offensive line not getting their um, getting their butts in gear there, there was when an, they need to. There was one play where Keith, there was one play where Keith Gavin was just left wide open on a fourth down, and, and Blackman did not see him. It, I I couldn't. I don't want to call it incompetence. It's just more of the players it's don't know. Incompetence. The, no, the players don't honest. really know what they're doing. It, it reminds me of a varsity high school team where you have the players out there. You've got the talent. It's just getting them all to come together, and the the team just isn't doing you it. You know, you know what it looks like. It looks like everyone, players and coaches, are all out there playing their, for themselves. Well, there's a bit of that, but they're playing with their their rear ends clenched a little bit. Everyone looks nervous. Everyone looks scared, and and whatever is the cause of that. If that's the root of the issue. If, if it's not, if it's lack of being prepared, if it's just no no confidence in the team or, or the people leading the team, but you look at the way Willie has coached these last two years, and it, he looks like he's scared out there, and, and, and there's no really, there's there's no other. Excuse. Who is he scared he, of? Though? Well, here's I the was, thing: he's he's second guessing himself yeah. a lot of times. Earlier in the season, I, Gary was I asked him about why he didn't use a timeout at the end of Boise State. In the next game against Louisiana Monroe, when they were punting, he used a timeout for no reason. Then he goes through a couple of games, doesn't have to worry about it because Florida State isn't keeping the games very close. And now another time where it comes down to the wire and the decision was wrong, Gary. And, and you look at it, really, wh- why, why, why wouldn't he? You have someone designated on your staff to figure out how to manage the time. It's driving wind. You don't have confidence in your kicker. Why wouldn't you call the timeout? And, and give yourself time to think about it. I it's it, that play, that whole sequence there baffled me because I saw once we were getting into or once Forest State was getting into uh, Wake Forest territory, as I saw like the field goal range line, I was I said to myself, Ricky has no chance from out here. This is zero shot. A cold, windy night. Yeah, in, and like I, I stepped out of the room once I saw him come out for the kick. I was <laughs> like, I can't watch this. I know he's gonna miss this, nice. and I walked out of the room. Can you blame him though? Would, no, would no, you have confidence no. coming out there? Oh my God, I got to run out there, try to rush no. a kick, and then and then they call a timeout, and now you can't it's, go through your routine. Well, when you don't trust kick. your offense and you don't trust your special teams unit. You just don't have a good football team. Mm-hmm. Tiger did not know what to do there because there was really no right answer. You bring the offense back out there, they don't convert. Then you turn the ball over on downs. You bring the field goal unit out there, they miss the field goal. Then you might lose the game. That, I mean, it just it just shows that Florida State just isn't a great football team, and this was really it all boiled down into this drive. And I was going to say before we got into the uh, timeout stuff from you, is the criticism getting too much? Like, is the criticism getting to this team and getting to the head coach for the most part? 
Well, they hear it. You know, yeah. No matter how the, oh, we block out the media, we yeah. block out all this extra noise. No, they don't. They hear it. They hear everything that's said about them online and on the radio. They, maybe they're listening right now. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> was, um, but but it's they, they hear that stuff. And, and, yeah, it gets to you. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. A, you know, everyone does it. So then my follow-up was then, are we the bad guys? Are we the bad guy? I'd like to. I'd like to say so. I, I don't mind being a heel. Okay, <laughs> but you have to know criticism. No one wants. You, you don't go and talk up a team that isn't performing. You, you look at it. Cam Akers had a, a fairly good game. He he was playing his heart out. He's he's playing to be a draft pick. Uh, Marvin Wilson is playing to be a draft pick. The rest of the team, you don't really know what's going on. Kind of checking in every. I would say they're collecting checks. Every, they're just showing up to collect their checks, but they don't even get that. They're here to well, collect their scholarship, I guess. At, well, they're playing for. They're playing. Some of them are playing for their livelihood, and I I just worry about this Florida State team next year. If you look at what what they have left, they could lose their first. Th- they're on the depth chart. They could lose their first three running backs. Anthony Grant. We have not heard about him. Whatever personal problem he's been going through, we don't even know if he's ever going to come back on the team. Yeah. So you're going to lose your, your – there's a possibility of losing your top three running backs. That's a scary situation. If Tagger doesn't go 3-0 and in these next three games against Syracuse, Boston College, and Miami, or I should say Syracuse, Miami, Boston College, he's not going to come back. There, there's it, it would be inexcusable to lose to any of those teams, especially looking at Miami. Miami lost to Georgia Tech in overtime mm-hmm. after Worst missing – conference. After mm-hmm. – they they don't if you're talking about not having a kicker poor Miami are you kidding me yeah missing those chip shots at the end of the game I can I, say I this don't have sympathy I should say I, I I can say this I feel fine I would rather have Willie Taggart than Manny Diaz right now but that's you know comparing you know sludge and oil both of them are useless <laughs> if you're trying to you know drink it <laughs> that's a good Jeez. one do I. Do I really have to feel bad for Willie Taggart if he's facing enormous pressure from uh, the boosters, the fan base, and the media? If I see week in and week out the same um, flaws in this football team that are that stem from coaching issues or a lack of uh, coaching issue or a lack of coaching, um, if I feel that he's not doing his job, should I really feel bad for him? Well, I don't think you feel bad for a guy that's making money. I mean, this is his job. If if if, he makes if, money, if Brett, he gets fired. yeah, if <laughs> if if Brett and I are not performing, I would hope that Misha would walk in the room and tell us we need to play better, or you know, you're gone. You, you either step up or you get kicked out. Oh, you missed that. I mean, she was in here earlier, say telling Luke. Oh, uh, sure. Step it up. I, I, I'm Uh-oh. sure. Is Luke on the hot seat? Here's here's Luke the problem. We here's the problem, that. guys. Is Wake Forest just won this game? They were, they were favored at the beginning of the week. They won this game as a dog when it closed with a backup quarterback. Florida State got beat with a backup quarterback. That's not a good look. It, Wake Forest has beaten uh, – Florida State beat Wake Forest how many years in a row? Eight? Yes, I believe so. Uh, Eleven was the last year. They Eleven was the last year. Yeah. Let so, me just say, though, that if I was quarterback and I get to throw the ball to Sage Sherratt, I think I'd have a pretty easy time, too. Mm-hmm. That kid was a stud it's on Saturday true. night. That, it's really tough. tore up the Florida State DBs, which I know you could you could question how good those, those defensive backs are for Florida State. They still seem to be lacking cohesiveness, and they seem to be relying a lot on the young players. I know Akeem Dent kind of got beat around a little bit. Stanford Samuels III really struggled in this game. I know he was dealing with yep. some sort of 
of injury. But Sage Surratt, I mean, just throw it to him every time. He, there was no shot. He's money. State to Se- seven, seven receptions for 170 yards. It's about 25 yards That's a reception. No, no touchdowns. I mean, he was leading the ACC with nine touchdowns mm-hmm. on the year, but that's not the problem. I mean, you look at let, – let's get some credit here. Let's give some credit to the Florida State defense. Four times Wake Forest was in the red zone they at the beginning at the in the first half. First four drives, or their first four offensive Yeah, drives. they did They did get they the ball the and drive down the field, but Florida State held them to field goals. This could have been way worse than, than what, it, what it shows on paper. All four of their field goals came when they were inside 10 yards. So – Florida State obviously started to play better once they got into a short field because Sage Serac couldn't go deep and he couldn't do what he does. And it was impressive. I thought that was the best I've seen Florida State's defense play for the most part. No, and look at Emmett Rice's performance. He had 14 tackles, nine solo tackles in this game. He really stepped up. I thought the linebacker play was a lot better. I think we're seeing better, more consistent play out of a guy like Dontavious Jackson. And when you have Emmett Rice stepping up and starting to play a role in this defense, the Florida State defense isn't as bad as we thought they were. Uh, but when the offense is struggling too, this 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 ship just is going to. This is so what Jerry. you guys are telling me is that the defense can only play on one quarter of the field, just like the rest of the team can only play one quarter of the game. Well, you you could put it that way, but the the defense here, uh, this is the same offense for Wake Forest that dropped over sixty points. No. Mm-hmm. Now now I know that part of the game, the starting quarterback for Wake Forest was playing, and Sam Hartman came in relief and, and did pretty well. Hartman still had two touchdowns that and, game. And, and Hartman yeah. to Hartman against Florida State was not bad. I mean, he he played a, a well enough game to win against Florida State. You got to give them. You got to give Florida State some credit for mitigating this this super potent offense for Wake Forest. Yeah, giving up twenty two points and only one touchdown, the offense should be able to do enough to win those kind of games. And it was just sad to see that. They couldn't back up their defense, who did play a very good game, in with my all opinion. The injuries that the defense yes. is dealing with, too. I mean, come on. The fact that they held Wake Forest, I know the conditions weren't really, you know, didn't they were really favorable for the defense. Yeah, exactly. But the defense did their job on Saturday night. They, 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 they we're, we're going to able to stop them in between the twenty-yard lines, but they did like kept them out of the end zone for the most yeah. part. And, and, and that was a game you need to win if you're if you're looking at from the offensive standpoint. That mm-hmm. that can be said. The the defense has t- could could possibly be turning a corner. But you look at the beginning of the season, Florida State's offense was on fire, and now it's been figured out. It's been it's been one dimensional, really. You look at the offense; there's only two good players on that, and that's Tamari and Terry. And I've I've come out and said Tamari and Terry is the third best receiver on any other any other SEC team, probably the second best receiver on any other ACC team. He's not that great. It's just Florida State's wide receivers are so bad that he sticks out. Cam and- Akers is the only other dynamic player you really have on the field. And if he's the as as I was I was at a watch party. If he, everyone knows he's going to him, what can you do? Well, it's also not that Tamara and Terry isn't the best receiver on this team. It's also that all the other receivers are now starting to get hurt. Yeah, no. Ontario, Ontario Wilson. Wilson now was a shoulder injury, yeah, and then the Keyshawn Helton with the it was a leg injury. He's How great here. were they before though? Well, Helton, Keyshawn Helton was playing very well, in my opinion. Yeah, he was having the best season out of all the Florida State yeah. receivers, in my opinion. I know Terry's had some pretty big games, but in terms of being consistent, but Helton he's still an average amazing. receiver. No, Terry, well, there's yeah. no, there's nothing where you go, all right, we got. He, he's no Rashad Green. Average is an upgrade on bad, which yeah. is what we've got now. I, yeah, if good is. Win this but there's a game. reason why the defense or why the offense is playing bad, yeah. and that's because you don't have any playmakers. The only playmaker is Cam Akers, and Cam Akers decides when he wants to show up. Mm-hmm. And also, I, and I think he showed up all every single game this year. I know maybe he's playing for for a draft Clemson, pick, but where well, was, where was well, he? Well, there? that D line. Oh, Come you're on. gonna oh, okay. You, you can't even look at that game. <laughs> no one played well in that no, game. And that also is. for this game, from terms of passing, you 
the passing wasn't going to be there because it was raining. It was you you tipped us off to it early in the day. You said, "Hey guys, take a look at the under. It's going to be raining." And it rained the majority of the game, so obviously the passing isn't going to be there. Yeah. So what do you want what do you want Terry to do when it's pouring rain and he's trying to catch a ball right in front of him? It's tough to no, it's I, tough I, to catch in the we, rain. We, we all overhyped Terry, I think, a little bit. Maybe it was just wishful thinking that we really had a star. Mm -hmm. I think he's a really good player. I think Terry's a good player. I don't I don't I don't I don't know why you're beating him down. No, but like, there, there, are, there are the cards are stacked against him. Uh, yeah, but how much right better now. can this team get given what it is right now? We're, they're exactly who I thought they were. I mean, we're, they're, they're no, strong. I'm saying I'm saying next year you look at the turnover that happens. Whoever, if if let's say Taggart does get fired, whoever is taking over this Florida State program, can you really say that Willie Taggart left it in a better place than what he got it? It's well, gonna no. if, Tag no. if any coach gets fired after two years, there's no way they left it in a better yeah, spot. Yeah, it's it's gonna be like what happened with all uh, the turnover from Jimbo Fisher. Everyone's just gonna point back and say it was his fault that this team is so bad, not my fault. And it's just gonna be pointing fingers the whole time. And the one thing I think we all need to watch is, I think that Taggart, with the situation, has put together so far. A pretty good recruiting class for 2020, but they lost one last week, and I think you might start to see a couple others open up their recruitment as we head into the early signing period. Kind of not sure. We're gonna hear more respect not, my decisions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so a lot more screenshots the notes, from the notes. The app. notes app is gonna be just popping off. But that's gonna be important because if, if, if the emojis Willie, per second on Seminole Twitter are going to be obscene. <laughs> if Willie can manage to keep some of these top recruits, including the two running backs um, that are coming out of high school next year, and Jeff Sims, who I think is under wraps, but like, I don't know if Jeff Sims is even a good quarterback. Though. Yeah, I watched. That's, it was on ESPNU on Friday night. I watched. That, that's the problem. You, is what you, you don't look really like know. there. I, I wasn't able to see what you see out of okay. him. He was okay. He wasn't great. Okay. But played against Mandarin. I, I know I the first game of the Mandarin, season, but. he had five turnovers. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that on Twitter. He's a that Florida was, State uh, football uh, quarterback yeah, in the that's, making. That's a Florida State football quarterback for you. But hey, he wants us, so we have. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is like he is the type of recruit that he went out there, got all the guys, a good guy, but. How many more good guys can you recruit? James Blackman is the nicest guy out there. Great team player, but if you can't play, you can't play. If they're looking for good guys, sign me up. I'll be a great teammate. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, nice. Do we even need to go and look over at Sam Howe throwing five touchdowns in an overtime game? We'll mention it. Should, well, should it's six overtimes. He practically played two games yeah, at that point. He, it was three touchdowns a, a game. I, I don't think he no, threw two and a half. I don't know if he even threw a touchdown I've never in seen overtime. A, uh, I've never seen a Still. best of three in the NCAA for football. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> you saw one what, last year, didn't you? I I just want to shift just for a second. What do you guys think of that new uh, new rule after? And I think it's the fourth overtime. They yeah. go to just doing two point conversion. I think it's good. You don't it's fun. See it sounds like a game. just end the game already type. Yeah. type it reminds me of an arcade though. Yeah, no, but you but don't need to okay. do you need to risk people getting hurt yeah. after four overtimes like that. Oh, when it went to LSU, when was it seven overtimes last year? LSU and A and M. That just got a bit ridiculous. I I didn't even stay up for that game. Hey, I didn't even know what was happening. Blame the kicker. I turned it off because I thought the SEC game was after over. Dark. I legit didn't know because it, it was happening. But that that being said, Florida State, they did not really show up against Wake Forest as, as well as you thought. I mean, having did, they they had the fourteen to twelve lead at half. Yes. Once again, another yeah, half. Another quarter. blown half. Nope. No, no points in the third. No another third. another halftime lead blown. But you have to look at it as that game could have easily been twenty-eight to fourteen just in the first half. Florida State—that's that's a bold. I, I do think the defense played well in this game. I think you have to keep giving them credit. Yeah, they could have scored twenty-eight, but they didn't because the defense stood up when it mattered most. And, and very they played true. Really well. I think we have Very to give true. them credit for that. And 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 
this game, I I really put this one on the offense. I know you can't yeah. put it single handedly on one side of the ball over the other, but the defense. I'm I'm really impressed with what and I saw. And the defense. What well, the defense didn't even get a turnover, correct? And your leading tackler was ejected for targeting early on in this yes. game. Like the defense had to deal with a lot, a lot of injuries. Ejections. They stepped up, guys. They what well. what what is the next step for this football team? Win. Well, we win got games. Syracuse at three thirty on Saturday, so I'm guessing that would be the next step. Is tanking for two on the table? No, no. That's uh, Miami has already got that one. So <laughs> stay away. F- that's mine. <laughs> no, but uh, well, well, n- not all of you guys have touched on it. But let's go over the final drive for Florida State, not the one where all the fumbles happened. When, when you're in that situation, the opportunity is to go for it on fourth down. Now, Tiger did say that, that Ricky, he had the leg, and Ricky was perfect in, in practice over the week. He felt confident in him. The driving rain is not, not a good, good place to be kicking. My big thing is him not knowing how to use the timeouts, and that's more of a coordinator position. Like, if you aren't using your timeouts, that means you view yourself as a coordinator. He says that he is the general. He is the one in charge of offense and defense and everything. You have to know when to call your timeouts, Brett, and if you aren't using them in a smart situation like that, how do you expect to succeed? Listen, I'll say it. I was okay with the decision to kick the field goal. I was okay with it, too. When you hesitate, not only did did he call the timeout and ice his own kicker because he had to with the play clock running out, but he hesitated on making that call, which is a clear sign to Ricky Aguayo is, hey, my head coach doesn't trust me to make this kick in this situation and, and put my team in the lead. And so when you send him out there to try to make that kick, I thought, you know, he had a shot. I didn't think it was necessarily a good shot, but also I, it, I did think it gives you a better chance to, to convert, to score the points, to get in the lead again instead of sending the offense back out there. Remember earlier on in the season when they went for it, or well, they, they didn't call a timeout against Boise mm-hmm. State, and he said, I had the play. Yep. Well, now I wonder if you go and ask him and say, so did you not have the play to, to go out there and, and run it? That's a good point, yeah. I mean, I, I do think, though, if, if he went for it, he would have been crucified. Yeah, no, you, it's four, it was fourth and six. You can't really go for it on fourth and six. Well, and if, it's and, tough. If, and if he had sent Ricky out there and Ricky made the kick, he would have been praised. Like, yeah. it's, it's all a matter of, 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 you know, sometimes you make good decisions that end in bad outcomes. Sometimes you make bad decisions that end in good outcomes. It's just a matter of how he got to that point. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with you sending Aguayo out there to take the kick, but you have to have that decision already made before it, like, before it happens in game. You've got to know, going down the field, if we get in this situation, field goal unit's coming out immediately. And he didn't do that. He hesitated. And that's why he, he called forced himself out. to call a timeout. Yeah. You ice your kicker. Mm-hmm. No one's confident at that point. You miss the field goal. You lose the game. It's just such it, – on, on TV, it looked like such a strange place to kick the ball, too. I mean, I know you were adjusting for wind and everything. It's just – uh, from from the get go, I, I was sitting there and I was like, "This isn't this isn't going it, to end." It correctly. did not it did not look right. And once again, we're looking at a game where Cam Akers he had 30, 30 carries and ended up being thirty four yeah thirty four touches though he had, he had four receptions as well. And you go and look at the back of running back and he has five carries for twelve yards and one touch on. If Florida State cannot get an established running back at number two, how do you expect the offense to be anything? That's my big takeaway. You don't have dynamic players on this team, so how can you how can you be confident going forward against the Syracuse team, Gary? You can't be confident. We touched on it last week. I said Caden uh, Laburn's the middle child of this team. Almost yep. he doesn't get the love he deserves, and so and you don't have any confidence when you don't get that love and you don't get those con- consistent reps. And we say it every single week when we bring him up. He just needs more. He just needs a little bit more. Just get him at least like nine or ten. Come on. He got or sorry, he got twelve actually. Shoot. 
And I'm and wrong. the other <laughs> thing is if you're if you're an offensive lineman and you're blocking for one running back and the other one is a different style of running back, mm-hmm. those lanes aren't going to be the same. There is no semblance. There's yeah. n- nothing going together. Yeah. It doesn't mesh well. Yeah, they're two different guys. One's more downhill, straight into your nose, and the other guy is a bit more shifty and gets around. Well, guys, what's we're right before we get to the break, we're going to mention a little bit more of Syracuse football and Syracuse uh, did not really have a very good week. They ended up falling against Pitt, really outplayed the entire game, ended up winning twenty-seven to twenty. Syracuse, or excuse me, Pitt ended up winning twenty-seven to twenty. Syracuse came back and made it look close. This Syracuse game is going to be a, a very, pick, it's going to be a very big test for this Florida State football team. Last year's Syracuse team went in mollywop Florida State thirty to seven. I don't think that that's going to happen. It's Eric, a much different series. Yeah, Eric Dungy is not on the team, but this is a must-win game for Florida State. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, you, now you're at the you know the situation where you've really only got one game that's not a must-win, uh, and, and that's the game at the end of the season uh, after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I think they're playing a really, really bad Syracuse team who doesn't have a Power 5 win yet this season, and, and they've got to do whatever they can to, to pull this one out. Well, even last year when FSU played Syracuse, uh, Dungy didn't play the majority of that game. It was DeVito. DeVito played the majority of that game, and yeah. he yeah. might not even be in for this week because he is hurt right now. That, that is an interesting Maybe. thing we that, that we will have to talk about um, going forward. DeVito looked great against Florida State. I was worried. I said Syracuse is going to be one of the losses for Florida State upcoming. Uh, you know, it, It'll be tough to see. Um, that being said, we are about halfway through the show. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll have a similar segment. Coming up next. And now over to Scott Clemens with Seminole Segment. Good evening, everybody. This is Scott Clemens with your Seminole Segment. And we start off today as FSU's women's cross-country team had a great weekend in Indiana as they finished in fifth in the Under Armour pre-national races. The Seminoles were led by Elizabeth Funderburk, who finished in 11th in a 6,000-meter race with a time of 20 minutes and 29 seconds. FSU also saw good showings from Addie Coggins, Maudie Skyring, and Casey Nevelbard, who finished 15th in an 8,000-meter competition. With this result, Florida State jumps ahead of five other ranked teams, including the Boise State Broncos, who previously split the 11th ranking with the Seminoles. When when asked about her team's performance, Coach Kelly Phillips put it simply, it was a solid day. The The Seminoles will hope to continue this success when they compete in the ACC championships on November 1st. Moving on, FSU volleyball star Tara Nuff had another impressive performance yesterday after the Seminoles recorded yet another sweep, this time against conference rivals Syracuse Orange. Nuff 
led the Knolls' impressive defense in this match, contributing 10 of the team's 13 blocks. This is the 10th time in 17 matches that Florida State has had double-digit blocks this season. On the offensive side of the court, the Seminoles were led by Peyton Caffrey and Jasmine Martin, who had 15 and 9 kills, respectively. Freshman Lily Tessier also had a good offensive showing as FSU swept the Orange in three sets, 25-23, 25-18, and 25-21. With this win, FSU is now in fifth place in ACC standings and will hope to continue their defensive hot streak when they play Georgia Tech on Friday in Atlanta. That's all for today's Seminole segment. Now back to Luke Fay and Gary Putnick in the studio. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. Always, always. I feel like Scott's almost our beat reporter for uh, for women's volleyball here at Florida State. Always giving us great info on them. Uh, Florida State cross country, of course, did very good um, this past weekend as well. They're, they're going to be great. Uh, the regional is held in Tallahassee coming up soon. Um, th- these ladies at Florida State. I'm telling you, the athletic program on the ladies' side is great. A quick shout-out to, to FSU soccer. 3 nothing victory all over Miami on Scarf Night. That game was on, I think it was on regional television. The I don't women, think it was on the ACC The soccer Network. team was Scarves? Yeah, yeah they gave out No, they just did a giveaway. But, uh, I think it's the first hundred uh, or so yeah, fans. And I, and I it was decided, raining that night. Yeah, I, I decided never, to stay I home. I thought really it was going to get rained oh. out, but I was able to watch on TV, so... Good, great game, great victory. Florida and and while we're that. you know while we're talking about women's sports here at Florida State, Gary, we we have to mention that women's basketball is going to be having an exhi- exhibition um, on Sunday. Oh yeah, so their season is, is right about to get get going as all well. Of, all of basketball is coming right around the corner. Oh, Men's man. tomorrow night they have an exhibition oh, with Barry. Uh, women on Sunday, who are they going up against? I can't remember off the top of my head. We were talking uh, about uh, earlier. Wasn't it, um, Southern. We were talking Georgia about Georgia Southern. We were talking about it earlier, but. Florida Southern. It was Florida Southern, wasn't mm. it? Men's is playing Barry. Yeah, men's yeah, is playing Barry. I, think, I yeah. think women's is playing Florida Southern. I'm on it. it it's fine. Uh, but it's just an exhibition. Well, it's <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! It's not just an exhibition. <laughs> you know, people get you got to you got to show out, show out. Uh, that being said, Florida Southern. It is Florida Southern. I, I did get that one right. Uh, I do want to mention that on the panel last week, how many people picked Florida State to win? Three. Uh, I think four. all of you did. <laughs> No, I believe I was the only one who picked Florida State to to lose. So you got to have a sane mind, guys, when when we do these picks for Syracuse coming up. Uh, But looking at this Syracuse game, Gary, we we talked about it just briefly uh, before. Austin DeVito, he had a little bit of – Tommy DeVito. Oh, my gosh. Tommy (laughs) DeVito. I did it. I did it. I did it. I knew I was going to do it. You didn't even go Danny DeVito. (laughs) I I didn't do that either. Okay. Tommy DeVito. Austin DeVito was a kid who went to my high school. Tommy DeVito. (laughs) Graceful. Uh, he he he's played last year against Florida State and looked great. This so far this season he has struggled mightily uh, with with in regards to just getting Syracuse anywhere. They they're one and four. Didn't you say they're one and four against Power Five opponents? Oh and four. Oh, oh, sorry, four. I messed that up on the Google Doc earlier. Yeah, Western Michigan is not a Power Five they're, opponent. Yeah, their I, wins are Liberty, Western Michigan, and the mighty uh, Holy Cross. So yeah, not a great start to the year for Dino Babers and uh, Syracuse. But, hey, maybe the, they can get their first Power 5 win this weekend. On the flip side, I mean, 
if you look at the matchups that they were playing against, they played against a a Maryland who was who looked invincible in those first three weeks. <laughs> in that game, they, they did are. look invincible. What, yeah. what was the final? It was like Six, 70 63 to, to twenty. Woo. I'm like Mike Lockley's gonna get all the recruits. I, I, I thought Nick I Saban, thought it, it was just school. unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was mm. Maryland and, came out of the gates in week one and two, and we were like, oh my god, was these so, people. Are and, then, and then they couldn't they couldn't punch it in from the ten yard line with two minutes left twice against yeah. Temple. I, Maryland looked great, but yeah, as you uh, were saying. Then they played Clemson, uh, forty-one to six. I mean, we we can't really talk any anything there. And then uh, a Pitt who was on a, f- a three-game winning streak, four games, including that game. Pitt was good. Um, Pitt has been good. Um, and the only winnable game out of, of of those four, I would say, was the NC State matchup, which they lost sixteen to ten. Tight game. So I think for for this week, you can expect a uh, a tight a tight game as well against a uh, limping Florida State. Well, Gary, we we looked at at the the highlights from the the pit game against Syracuse, and Syracuse used their backup quarterback. So it was interesting. We looked in the articles; they said that they might have to run a two quarterback system too. That that was almost we're on week two of not knowing who the quarterback's going to be, and neither does the opponent. Yeah, it's weird to be on the other side of this now to see kind of how another team is dealing with their own kind of quarterback issues, and. If DeVito's healthy, I think they're going to stick with DeVito, but it's probably going to – if he's not, they'll just stick with one guy, obviously. So there won't be any issue, I think. Who 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 should Florida State go with? Blackman. You guys to keep sticking with Blackman. Don't change it up even more. I know, like – and the thing is, if you – I hear the noise. The noise is saying, Alex Hornibrook, you can't get any worse – but the the switch up is just killing the team chemistry. Exactly. Yes, you can't keep flipping it on guys. It creates too much turnover. It's a bit awkward for them. And also, if Hornibrook wins this game, and everyone everyone's going to be all high on Hornibrook again, but it's Syracuse. My- it should be a game. It's like the NC State game. They should win that game. And I think if you put either of those two quarterbacks in, they still win that game. And my gut tells me that if if you bench Blackman and you go with Hornibrook. He's out of here faster than he can say transfer portal. I mean, I th- we've already seen him enter the transfer portal once. Like, quickly, almost twice. Himself. It, it yeah. was like he went in, mm-hmm. then didn't go in, then went in. And, and Blackman might decide to move on from the program, and the program might decide to move on from him at the end of the season. But you really don't want to risk that right now. You really don't have the the opportunity to risk that right now. you got to stick with him. you got to live or die by him. Because, like I said, Hornybrook's going to be gone in, in a couple months. He's going to be out of the program. So you, you got to stick with Blackman. Yeah, let's talk about Blackman like he's some um, – Huge treasure. I think he's important. I, I, he's really important for the program. But at the same time, is his production really like something worth? You know, oh, we have to protect this asset that we have. No, because you only have besides Blackman and Hornibrook, and Hornibrook's going to be gone. You only have one other quarterback on scholarship, and only one in the current recruiting class right now. If you lose Blackman and Hornibrook going into the next season, you've got Jordan Travis and a true freshman. That's just really not worth. Oh, don't forget about Wyatt Rector and the forty other yeah. kids who who yeah. walked on the program PWS, as well. Yeah, it's. It's what it, what it comes down to, and this is what you see with great programs. Michigan has been the big problem. If if you look back the last ten or so years, is can they get a quarterback that no matter how good or bad the team is, makes the team that much better? Yeah. Sam Howe with UNC. UNC is not a great football team, but with him, he gives them a chance in games. What Florida State needs is that type of player that gives them a chance in games. You might not have liked Josh Rosen at, over at UCLA, but he gave them a chance to win football games. You look at UCLA now, they they have no chance. I mean, but they they did just beat someone out of uh, out of nowhere. Um, I can't was it Washington State or I, uh, I can't remember like that. Yeah, this Washington past weekend. State. But that being said, 
you got to get a quarterback that is the quarterback has to be the best player on your team if you're going to be a team that wins 10 games at this point i almost worry are we in like a reverse schmag thing with with florida state where sean mcguire a, a transfer comes in Everett golson starts right away and then you go to sean mcguire and, and mcguire kind of brings it back and wins 10 games for florida state gets them to the peach bowl now it's the transfer comes in doesn't play uh, right away the guy who's been in the program everyone loves respects isn't playing up to the standard and now you want to go to the transfer who doesn't necessarily have that it factor hornybrook hasn't earned the starting spot like i I, i'm sorry i know they won i know they won the game that he started but he hasn't played that well and if you can't see that you're not looking deep enough into these games hornybrook isn't good and i've been saying that the whole are they living in the past though what he has done he had the track record at wisconsin but wisconsin had a great defense are people living in the past of making him better what he was one of the best offensive lines in the power five that is not the situation here at florida state there is a reason that alex hornybrook as a grad transfer is here in tallahassee as a backup and not a starter anywhere else in the country he's just not good enough coming from team hornybrook he's <laughs> he's good but he's not gonna he's not the right guy right now and i all these people that are like oh, we need to go hornybrook we need to go hornybrook we need to go hornybrook just slow down we don't just know slow down. alex hornybrook anything. exactly he's coming in here to just maybe have a chance to play if need be and he stepped up for those one and a half games that he was asked and i think that's all you really needed from him and maybe if blackman gets hurt again if something else happens He'll be there. I don't think he's the guy where you go to say, hey, you're in this week. This is your team. Give him the game ball. Yeah, he's a fine backup. I'll say that. Yeah. Sebastian, what, where is the situation with the quarterback in your eyes coming from more of an outside perspective? See, I, I did buy into the hype uh, when, when, he, when he started or when he came in. He, um, I, I was Team 12 for a bit. Um, nowadays, I've kind of cooled off. Um, well, I hope and, you aren't DeAndre Francois. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. He's had an okay year. People, people forget happen. DeAndre Francois. If, could you imagine if he was still on the team? Well, he's playing, and so oh, is Mario Pender, actually. A little yeah, bit I, crazy I, that is way back, yeah. Happened. Apparently with, I think it's Division two or three yeah it it, it it the ticker only matters for how many years. It doesn't, it, it's not five years. It's It's like. You play five. Yeah, he's gotten. He still got all. Imagine being a twenty-six-year-old so. playing college football, and your last snap was when you were yeah. twenty-two. Go, but go, go at, ahead. At the end of the day, team one. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. If we're we're talking team one, um, if he means that much to the to the team, and if he's that much of a locker room presence, um, and they rally around him, then I, I think the the net loss that Florida State receives mm-hmm. when when they decide no, you're going to this corner, we're going with twelve. Um, in terms of losing your losing your locker room and um, just kind of losing the what will be your quarterback for next year, I I, I you can't play Hornybrook anymore. I think I think we he won't see play unless it's absolutely dire. Are are we in a situation where fans, media members, anyone who supports Florida State should be worried about losing the team over the next? two three games because these are vital games if something if they lose one they they lose the team it's gone it's done i really i really do think and and people talk about how tiger came in and changed the culture and i think he did change it for the better you look at the academics um they're much better the apr is uh, was one of the worst it was just reported as the worst in the country and now takes years to change that but 
the the players academically are a lot better. But all people care about are wins. The on-field product is what matters and, and here at Florida State. That's what matters at Florida State. Such is the life of, at a Blue Blood, though. Yeah. Like Blue Bloods want want wins, and they'll try and find them through any way possible, even if that means resorting resorting to a uh, fourth-year quarterback. Should should we should we worry should we worry about it the next couple games though is 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 this is this must win situation any any loss is a nail in the coffin any loss well for most for most fans getting to a bowl game no matter if it's the Independence Bowl again in Shreveport Louisiana that's so important for so many people in this fan base the question is how important is it to those players on the field because they might give up if, especially if something goes wrong this weekend the season might be over for them they might mentally give up especially the, the guys like Cam Akers, Marion the Taylor, the, and six, Marvin Wilson. they're going to sit out the, they're going to sit out a six-win team. You have to think about it. a six-win team is going to have to go through those extra two weeks of practice that all coaches say are so valuable. Does a six-win team really want to come out and play at twenty-degree weather, like you said in no. Shreveport? No. Not and it all. comes to that question of does does playing in those games um, help your draft stock draft stock at all? No. Um, and it rarely does. Um, I really wish that the team just so we could. There, there's a lot of. I feel like there's a lot of kids in my position here at Florida State where they're three years in and they've seen one bowl game and it wasn't like a it was it wasn't an e-ticket yep. bowl game, um, and for some of them, I mean, the if sophomores you grow, like you said, if you grow up in high school watching the Florida State football team, Orange and then Bowl, you come, BCS, and then you like, come to and and you come to Florida State and see what's happened, you're going to Mississippi for your first bowl game. That's super exciting. No, it's not. It's not what this Florida State program wants to be, and and that's that's sad to see. But you got to move on. For those we'll, kids, we'll a bowl is a bowl. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. And for those kids, a bowl is a bowl. And if it's a six-six yep. game where you go to somewhere in Arkansas for the uh, some credit union name here bowl <laughs> what it's yeah, a bowl, bad boy a bowl. mowers gasparilla bowl hey man that's a hey, great bowl what it, hey, that's pretty right. fun yeah well well guys that's a great sponsor guys too, we, bad boy mowers it, it does sound like we do have a uh, a caller on the line so now joining us on the show is syracuse senior jack mcmullen who is the current sports director for w-a-e-r-f-m the student radio station that broadcasts football men's basketball and men's lacrosse. So, uh, how are you doing, Jack? I'm good. I'm so sorry I left you guys in the dust for like 11 minutes. Well, you know, uh, Syracuse being timely in football, not not expected. Ouch. All right, <laughs> starting with a zinger. I see what we're doing here. That's good. Well, what, let's talk about this Syracuse football team. What's been the difference last year? Uh, last year you guys went 10-3, and and then this year's Syracuse team that had – a certain amount of hype. You look at Tommy DeVito, he came out in, in relief of Eric Dungy and won the game against Florida State. What what has been the difference this year that it has caused the problems? What was that name you just said that wasn't Tommy DeVito? I, I said Austin DeVito prior. Oh, no, no, no. I, Eric, I meant oh. that other name. Oh, Eric, Eric Dungy. 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 Yeah, that's, that's what's missing right now. There's a lot of other stuff that's missing, too. Um, to the naked eye and to the national scene, we saw... Stuart Mandel, who's the editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football, he tweeted, uh, I believe it was during the NC State game, he said, I guess the most indispensable player in the country from a year ago is Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy. So, you know, he's not here right now. That's a little different, but it's not all on Tommy. A lot of it has to do with the five guys in front. And Syracuse allows the most sacks in the ACC, among the most sacks in the country. Um, So to the naked eye, it's, it's no Dungy. To the Syracusean eye, um, 
there is a lot of blame to be put on the offensive line. And you don't have guys like Coda Martin right now or Cody Conway and uh, Sam Heckel, who was supposed to make the move from left tackle to center. Uh, he is out right now. He's dealing with an injury. Um, so Aaron Service, who was going to be the left tackle, has now shifted over to center. So this is uh, it's a different-looking offensive line. It's a younger, more inexperienced offensive line, and they are, they're getting eaten alive right now. So that's why, that's why they're really struggling. They, they gave up six sacks in the first half against Pitt. Pitt is one of the better defensive lines in the country. I, I think they led going into the game, um, led the country in sacks. You can't put necessarily all of the, all the blame on the offensive line. Did, would you say that no, no big playmaker has really stepped up on the rest of, of the offense? Uh, I, think a, I think a playmaker has stepped up, uh, and that's Tristan Jackson, uh, the wideout number 86. Yep. And you'll, you'll see him because he's the one guy that – you know, is really making plays on the offense right now. And that's a guy that DeVito targets incredibly often, and he makes uh, insane plays, and he's a rack machine. Uh, Tristan Jackson is the guy that stepped up. But the thing is, you need a lot of other working parts for a wide receiver to make a serious impact. So you need an offensive line to protect a quarterback who can get it to that wide receiver. And if you're, if you're the third causation then the offense isn't clicking the way. So you need a good or a serviceable offensive line. You need a good or serviceable quarterback. And then a great wide receiver is made great. I mean, you know, we're talking ACC right now, but look at the Big 12 with Oklahoma yep. State. Tylen Wallace is one of the best wideouts in the country, right? And, you know, they're, they're a middle-of-the-pack team because they don't have an O-line and a quarterback that can help get the ball in Wallace's hands. So it just turns in. To the Chuba Hubbard show, and that's not going to work either. So that's kind of what we're dealing with with Syracuse. They have a really good wide receiver, an NFL caliber wide receiver, but everything else is just lacking, so you can't get it to him. Tommy DeVito, he went down with what looked like a shoulder injury, and then the backup quarterback for Syracuse came in and, and threw two touchdowns in relief. Is there a chance we'll see a two-quarterback system, and what is the health like for DeVito? Uh, there is a chance that you will see a little bit of Clayton Welch, who uh, I believe before the Pitt game had not completed a pass in his Division One career. He's a transfer from Butte College in California. Ooh. But uh, is that a JUCO? Yeah. I think so. Yes, it's, okay. it's a junior college. Uh, so he was there for a little bit, um, actually, along with uh, Syracuse's leading tackler as of a couple weeks ago, Lakeem Williams, is the middle linebacker. So. Uh, pretty interesting that Syracuse has established a connection with Butte College. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a chance you see Clayton Welch. Uh, DeVito is the better option, but he may not be the healthier option. Um, you know, Coach Babers keeps it very under wraps. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's kind of convenient that he meets with the doctors on Monday nights after his media availability for the week is Monday morning. Um, so, you know, we don't really know how Tommy's feeling, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Chances are you'll see both quarterbacks in some aspect unless, uh, unless DeVito's out and then you'll, you'll see Welch. Hey, uh, Jack, it's, uh, Brett Rutherford here. Uh, after the season last year that Syracuse had college football fans across the country, we, we all kind of had our eyes on Dino Babers kind of wondering whether or not he was going to leave Syracuse and go take another job, maybe at USC. I know that was on the table for like a little bit. Like your job? 
<laughs> my job, well, he might be able to take mine. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking the Florida State job. Oh, well, I don't. I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not I would want him at Florida State. But anyways, uh, if you had to take the temperature of the Syracuse fan base, what do you think their thoughts are of Dino Babers' like, performance as head coach this year? I know Syracuse definitely struggled One's a lot in the uh, post-Eric Dungy era. But we, we still really like him. He won 10 games. Um, Dino is, and I'm sure you guys have seen all the viral videos post game and yep. all that stuff. I mean, he is, he's a perfect coach in the social media era. He's also a, a really good guy and a really good football coach. So, um, you know, you guys go to school in Tallahassee, Florida. I go to school in Syracuse, <laughs> New York. What's the weather and, like right now? Exactly. That's my point. It's, it it's like 80 great, right now, man. 80 and sunny, baby. It, it, yeah, it's, it's it, was, it was a great day today, actually. It was, uh, it was 60 and cloudy, but we're going Woo! back to 48 and rain tomorrow. Nice. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, keep that in mind, guys. Like, our two best players right now, uh, Andre Sisco, who was a preseason first-team yes. All-American, uh, and Sterling Hoffrichter, who, for my money, is the best punter in the country. Um, and, you know, that says something about the program right now when your second-best player yeah. is the punter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but. With, with, with just looking at Dino Babers, the last 10-win season for Syracuse was 2001, so if any Syracuse bo- booster is getting mad, they'd have to be nuts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't be mad. And the thing is, you know, people were saying, oh, Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl, if, if Clemson goes to the playoff, then we're the next-best ACC team and we're going. And, you know, all we have to do is, is beat Clemson and we're on, or, or is just lose to Clemson, beat Maryland and we're on Easy Street. Um, but that was that was a really rude awakening week two. I think that the I think that the expectation um, with the privy Syracuse fan and the kind of orange tinted glasses Syracuse fan was really different uh, this off season. So I think that a lot of the the fans that got incredibly excited. Um, we're saying, you know what, we're going to the Orange Bowl because the stars aligned last year. They'll align again because the program's back. I think that the realistic thing for Coach Babers in Syracuse this year is, um, and just kind of mimicking my point with, with Cisco and Sterling, uh, they're both from Florida. And the thing is, the best guys in Florida are going to go to Florida, Florida State, or an SEC school because it's closer to home. They're not going to come up to Syracuse and deal with 48 and cloudy on October 22nd. So that is, um, I think the, I think the right expectation uh, and the expectation that was shared by the consensus of people that knew this team was that if Syracuse got to a bowl this year, that's a good season. Okay. And if you can go to back-to-back bowl games, then you're starting to make leaps and bounds. Right now, I have no idea what's going to happen. Jack Gary here. I just wanted to ask a quick question about what do you, what do you really think like this the culture is around Syracuse football, mainly the fan base. I know Syracuse isn't really known for football, but what it's is it like school. in terms of football? Like uh, in terms of a football school, I know y'all are mo- ma- mainly known as a basketball school. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll share with you a good story. Uh, I was I was up in Montreal for a little bit before week one. Um, I was just up there. Uh, gallivanting through Canada because, you know, why not? We're close enough to Canada. So I'm coming back, and uh, the U.S. Customs guy, of course, is going through the classic interrogation, and 
Um, you know, he's like, uh, Illinois plate, you're coming into New York. What are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I go to Syracuse. And he said, Oh, okay. And then a quick pause. And he said, she excited for football season. <laughs> so that's, that's the type of energy that was here. And the, the, the entire student body was saying, Oh man, we're, we're a football school now we're rebranded because, you know, we see on the basketball side, uh, we see Tyus battle, O'Shea Brissett and Frank Howard walk. So, you know, we're, we're starting from scratch right now, although I think we will be pretty solid, not as solid as you guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there was all this juice with football because what was the unknown, quote-unquote, was already known, and that was Tommy DeVito because we saw him play really well against you guys last year. We saw him play really well in an overtime win against Carolina, um, and we saw him play pretty poorly against Notre Dame, but we saw him play in a big game, so that gets his big game jitters out of the way. So, Jack, Jack but, um, quickly, uh, we're running a little bit out of time. Uh, I just yeah. wanted to I wanted to butt in and ask uh, what what's it like being able to call sporting programs at Syracuse at Florida State we are not afforded that um, as students. It, well, it's um you know it's something that I I really wish you guys were able to do because I you know I, I never take it for granted and I'm sure that you know I do a lot of talk stuff here at Syracuse and I know that you guys certainly don't take this talk show for granted either so yep it, it's. It's an unbelievable opportunity, and, you know, I thank my lucky stars all the time, and it's, you know, it, it's really incredible. And we actually, um, we're doing, for our Florida State broadcast on our pregame show, um, we're doing a feature on Gene Deckerhoff, because why not, right? Yep. Uh, so it's, it's an unbelievable opportunity, and I wish more schools um, really invested the resources into doing it, because I think that... Um, that is what you know kind of brings up the next generation of broadcasting. It's, it's something but, that you can't learn in the real world and that's that's something that I've been trying to get across uh over here at Florida State. Yeah, no, certainly. And you know, we just have to keep taking advantage of all of our reps and everything and we in whatever aspect it is, whether it be talk or whether it be calling games, um and we're we're incredibly spoiled to have that opportunity. Well, Jack, thank you for uh, coming on with us. Uh, I heard that you're going to send two people over to call the football game, so we'll see if we can say hi. Uh, and as always, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can give them a little bit of uh, Florida State hospitality here. Taste the Tallahassee. Oh, yeah. We'll make sure Tim the game's Leonard, close. Yeah. Tim Leonard and J.D. Rachi, those are the two guys you got to uh, give a little nuggie to when they get there. Okay. All right, Jack, thanks for, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And that was Jack McMullen. We will give our Syracuse predictions coming up right now. Brett, we're going to just jump right into it. Give us your score prediction, uh, maybe some interesting things that happen. All right, give me Florida State 30, Syracuse 20. I think another solid performance from the defense. I think Cam Akers has another really good game. Uh, I I actually was somewhat impressed with the offensive line and some of their performances, including Dante Lucas. I thought he had a pretty good game at Lake Forest. So give me uh, Florida State by 10. Sebastian. What happens when a stoppable force meets a movable object? The answer, chaos. I have no idea what to expect for this game, so I'm going as far as I can to the weirdest end of the spectrum. Triple overtime, uh, 23-20, Florida State. Okay. All right, Gary. Sebastian, try not to come on my turf of uh, weird score predictions. This is mine. So Florida State, 33, Syracuse, 18. 
I'm going. See, it would have been really weird yeah. if all 33 of those points would have been field goals. They could do it. That's how you. That's yeah. how you I'm get. I'm going to go it. with guys. I'm going to go with this, and I, I'm I'm thinking an ugly one. Florida State will squeak out a win, 17 to 13. It's it'll be it'll be a low scoring affair. We'll see what what happens. I know that. We had a bunch of other things that we would have loved to run through. We might do a little bit of a bonus episode um, after this. But just just quickly, Florida State men's basketball was not in the top 25 uh, in the AP poll. What are your guys' quick thoughts on that? I was kind of surprised. I thought Florida State was going to be hanging around the 20 to 25 range. I know losing some guys in, like, man, really hurts this team, but – I was kind of surprised, and especially because they only got 36 votes on the AP vote in the AP poll or the AP ranking. I feel like it's a it's a slight for a team that made Sweet 16. We'll see. I mean, it, it, for a team that made Elite Eight last uh, two years ago. Too. It, well, this isn't the same team. You lose a lot of people. Cabin Gelly, Terrence Mann. We'll we'll see where it comes from there. Um, well, that's all we got for Tomahawk Talk uh, for Sebastian, Brett, Gary, Luke, Austin, Gianna. I think Lucas is in here as well. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, new release is up next. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.